0: Uh, this reading is taken from Romans 10:8B to 13. But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, and so is justified. And one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The scripture says, No one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved.:
1: oh. Thank you for having: Let's stand as Keith comes to the pulpit to bring us the gospel reading and his word for today. Hear the the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory Glory to to you, O Lord. Lord. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me. And I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him into Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And... On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune moment. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to to you, O Christ. Christ. Please be seated. I have no doubt that God has a sense of humour because I'm reminded of it every time I look in the mirror. (laughs) Incidentally... In that reading, it's always amused me that there is one of the greatest understatements in the whole of Scripture. He ate nothing for 40 days and he was hungry. But I want to look this morning at the temptations of Jesus recorded for us both in Matthew and in Luke they actually are there because they're part of one of the fundamental truths of the gospel. That is the humanity of Jesus. The reality that he really is like one of us, except for sin. Actually, he had to experience everything that we experience, all our ups and all our downs, if he was to be able to pay the ultimate penalty for our sin. So on this first Sunday of Lent, the 40 days of preparation for Easter we're going to look at Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. And not just the meaning for him, but for us here this morning. By now you're used to me always saying how important is the context. Remember, Jesus was born... Roughly 30 years previous to this event in scandalous circumstances to one who was actually an unmarried mother in a formal sense. He lived then for 30 years in obscurity really, some of the time apprenticed to his father, stepfather as a carpenter. But we also know that during those 30 years, he steeped himself in the scriptures, as that little incident a couple of chapters earlier, when Jesus was 12, year old, 12 years old in the temple, reminds us. But then, as Luke tells us when he was about 30 years old, that amber light of get ready turned green and he went public at his baptism. Now as I've said, remember Jesus was human. Paul reminds us in Philippians 2 that he was still in very nature God, but he was human. And like every one of us, he needed to be affirmed in his identity. Hence that amazing voice at his baptism. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Wow, it's not the main focus of my sermon, but I can't miss the chance to remind us that one of the most fundamental things we all need is the affirmation of our identity as individuals. The impact of that affirmation is so far-reaching On a sad front, this last week Jenny and I watched an interview with a man called Sheldon Thomas. He was interviewed by J. John. He's an ex-gang member in London. And he was miraculously and wonderfully brought to Christ many years ago and now works helping people to break out of gang culture but one of the things that he said which really impacted me was that more and more white middle class children are joining gangs in London and elsewhere why? because there they get affirmed when they haven't been at home Okay, what happened after Jesus' baptism? Something perhaps to our minds which is shocking. That high point seemingly suddenly sent, became sour when the Spirit led him into the desert, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's therefore look at these familiar temptations. They begin by that snidey old serpent insinuating something. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, Interestingly, the devil is being true to his character. Millennia earlier, he had used the same doubting tactic with Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Did God really say? Often, He will tempt us by getting us to doubt what God says. But then the role of the three temptations were very much along the line, if you are who you say you are, prove it. Prove it. On each occasion... Jesus was tempted to demonstrate who Scripture had prophesied he would be, and most recently, what his father said he was. So, in the first temptation, it's as if the devil was saying, Surely. It is the right of the Son of God to have provision for all his needs. He needs food. He can make it. And then surely it is right for him to receive power over all nations, to become king of kings, and the devil can give it to him if he acknowledges him as Lord. And then surely it is right to claim protection against all dangers. Surely your father's promised that, hasn't he? So why don't you let him and put him to the test? But the key to this episode is not really so much the temptations themselves but they are the way that Jesus responded. It's no accident that in each of those three cases, Jesus uses scripture. Of course, the devil did as well, quoting from our psalm that we had this morning at the beginning of the service. But even there, I won't labour it now, but if you read the quote that the devil uses in Luke 4, you find that that is, guess what, out of context. Because he ignores the earlier verses that talk about honouring God. But as important as it is to see that Jesus used scripture, it's equally important to see which scriptures he used. In fact, all three of Jesus' responses are from Deuteronomy, chapter 8, chapter 6. You see, as many of you know, the word Deuteronomy means second law. It was the restatement of the divine law given through Moses as they stood On the threshold of going into the promised land. It was God's given law for them to live by. Thus, Jesus answers with those scriptures. Perhaps I can paraphrase what he was thinking when he gave those answers. You suggest that feeding my body may take precedence over obeying my God. But God has told us humans that they shall not live by bread alone. Therefore, I shall not. Jesus is identifying with us. You offer me universal power at the price of worshipping you. But God has told humans that they are to worship only him. Therefore, I shall not worship you. You propose that I should test his promises to suit my own convenience. But God told humans that they are not to test him in this way. Therefore, I shall not. Jesus is our representative human, like us, in every way except sin. We see here, in these temptations, the clearest sign ever that he is deliberately emptying himself of his power and glory and putting himself in the place of ordinary folk like you and me, under the authority of God. As Paul reminds us in Philippians, and being found in the human form, He humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient to death, even death on the cross. You see, in a real sense, Jesus is going right back to the beginning, to square one, if you like. He, as Paul describes him in Corinthians, the new Adam. In Eden, the head of the human race was confronted by the tempter and succumbed, setting the whole of humanity off on the wrong track. Now the new Adam, alone in the wilderness, is also confronted by the tempter with one Big, enormous difference. He didn't succumb. He became the totally human, obedient human, as we are meant to be, righteous and unbroken in our relationship with God. This is the significance of these 40 days for Jesus. Of course it's not the end. The next verse to our reading says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. A reminder that after these temptations There were more to come, but he was now empowered to withstand them. So what about us? How does this apply to us in our day-to-day lives? As I've repeatedly said this morning, Jesus went through the temptations, indeed through his whole life as one of us. So, how are we to treat the temptations that come our way when the devil has a go at us? First, be certain of who you are in Christ. You are a new creation, you are loved and affirmed, not on the basis of what you do or are good at. Remember, Jesus had done nothing significant at his baptism when the Father said, with you, I am well pleased. You are a child of God. You are a co-heir with Christ. Your righteousness is from God. So when, and I mean when, you fail, you sin, you trip up, when the devil says to you, call yourself a Christian, don't argue, just remind yourself, because he'll be listening, remind yourself of what the scriptures say about you. And remember that great promise that we had at the beginning of service this morning. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So first, remember who you are. Second, don't succumb to those temptations which encourage us to use our status to cut corners and to serve our own ends, even when they are wrapped up to look as if they might achieve God's Desired ends. Don't do it. You have been saved to do God's bidding. And thirdly, we need always to remember that we are free to choose, we can do our own thing. And listen to the tempter. And actually, God won't stop us. We're not robots. Or we can choose to obey Him, as did Jesus. One of my daily prayer diaries that I use uh, is from CARE Christian Action Research and Education. And at the end of each page for a week, there's usually a quote. And last week, there was this amazing quote from the Reverend Charles Kingsley, a Victorian author and priest, best known for writing books like Water Babies and Westwood Ho. This is the quote. There are two freedoms. The false, where a man is free to do what he likes, and the true, where he is free to do what he ought. Jesus too was free to make those choices. In making the right choices, he blazed a path for us. Jesus wasn't tempted so that we wouldn't be. No, he was tempted because we are and will be. In his humanity, he was like every one of us, Save sin. But he knew the promise that Paul was later to commit to paper. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. We always have choices. Jesus always made the right ones. Sadly, we don't, but praise the Lord for the cross. And as I said earlier, finally, Luke tells us beyond our reading that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. When we overcome, we are strengthened for the next battle. Amen.